and welcome to another fabulous episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And still no Billy Holiday. He should be back for our next episode, uh, but before we even talk about that or this week's game, which is Skyblazer for the Super Nintendo, Jeremy, what have you been playing since last time? Well, I, I'm actually still really, really into Horizon Zero Dawn. I, I'm just about done with that game. And... Uh, you know, I, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how much I talked about that game last time I played it, but um, I don't think I mentioned just how good the story in that game is, and the, just the whole setting and everything. Um, me and my girlfriend, we've we bo- we both been playing through it at the same time, and I think we both agree that there hasn't really been a game since maybe the original Bioshock that has drawn us into the whole atmosphere and the story and, and characters as much as, you know, as what that as what Bioshock did back then. Uh, this is definitely a game I, I just I genuinely fell in love with all of the characters, uh, the story that's that's going on. I'm, I want to, to play every single story mission instead of avoiding them like I usually do. Uh, this is it's just been a joy to play through all the all the way through. Uh, it, and it keeps throwing out a few surprises here and there, which I, I kind of have a problem with a lot of open world games where they kind of throw out just about everything you can do in the first few hours. And then the next 40 hours is just repeating that over and over and over again. Uh, the only game that, that really kind of didn't do that was maybe like the Witcher three, but that's an RPG. Uh, and even that kind of did that, but it, it seems like horizon stays fairly fresh and I, I can't really explain why because you're not necessarily doing anything new maybe it's just because of the things you're fighting the the quests that you do the different um the characters that you meet i don't know but the, it's i've I've played about 50 hours of it now and it it continues to surprise me and i i, I don't want to beat it but i do want to beat it because persona 5 is coming out like next week i think yeah next tuesday or i guess when this airs when this is posting i will be hidden in the basement of my house for the next month playing nothing but persona 5 and i I did the same thing with zelda i talked about it last week uh breath of the wild or whatever that's called and uh and i i forced myself to finish i have plenty of things left to do there's you know i don't know how many shrines are in the game but i probably only hit like 40 of them or so uh and there were plenty of optional areas that i started that i was like yeah i'll come back to this but i wanted to finish the game before persona 5 otherwise it would just sit and wait and then by the time i got back to it uh, I would forget exactly what I was supposed to be doing, or I, I decided to start over again like a fool and lose all that time. So I did force myself to finish uh, Zelda. The good news is that when you finish Zelda, it gives you a save that's right before the end uh, back Ooh. to you. It marks with a star to let you know you finish the game or whatever, but then you can start right before the end. Uh, so I can now go out and do all these other things and then go back and destroy the boss, uh, which will be just, just delightful. But the other thing I've been playing is uh, I don't have a Switch yet. Uh, so I thought Blaster Master Zero was a Switch exclusive, but it's not because they also made it for the 3DS. So I downloaded the 3DS version because I love Blaster Master. And see, I thought that was a Switch exclusive. I didn't even know it was coming out in 3DS. Well, I don't know if Nintendo didn't really push it so hard because they wanted people to to one more reason to play the Switch because otherwise you've got Zelda and that's it for now. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's other things I would play if I had a Switch. Don't get me wrong, but I don't. And the only game worth buying a Switch right now for is Zelda. So when I saw that Blaster Master Zero was also out on 3DS, it was a no-brainer. I grabbed it, downloaded it. I've probably put maybe three or four hours into it, and it it doesn't require a lot of down, you know, a lot of build-up to get to the point. It's literally, it's not quite exactly a remake of the original, but it's so close to the original that I'd say, you know, if you haven't played the original Blaster Master, you're not missing anything to jump right in with Zero. I think it's it's a great game on its own. But if you have played Blaster Master on the Nintendo, it's it's going to come right back to you immediately. You're going to start playing. It's just going to fall right in place. The overworld maps are very, very similar. I don't think they're exactly the same, but they, they're so similar that I was like, here's where you go to the ice level, and here's where you go to this level. And, and it all still fits together the same way. Uh, but the levels where you get out of the uh, the Sophia and you walk around are different. They're way better. Uh, on on Blaster Master Zero than the original Blaster Master, in my opinion, they feel a lot more fluid, uh, a little less clunky, and the they're actually more interesting to play. I, I just I enjoy the overhead levels a lot more than the original Blaster Master, and I I had reviewed the WiiWare Blaster Master Overdrive, I think it was called. Yeah, and I was going to ask if you actually played that. Yeah, I did. I, I finished that too a while ago, and it was good, but it felt more like someone was like, I want to make a game just like Blaster Master. And then someone at Blaster, you know, someone at Sunsoft found out, and they said, "Why don't we just release this as Blaster Master? Because it's basically the same game, but it wasn't as polished. 
it, mm. it felt more like a WiiWare game, you know, like a, a straight download-only digital game uh, back in, in the Wii era, where now that's pretty standard. Uh, I and, saw pictures of that back when it came out, and it, it just looked... Re- I mean, it, it may have played fine, but it looked like that kind of weird PlayStation era, like when everything had to look kind of CG, and, and it just looked really bland. And, uh, you know, that's just not what I remember... Uh, Blaster Master being, which is that original NES game, and and it looks like maybe uh, you know this new Blaster Master is basically just looking like that. It, it looks a hell of a lot better than what that Wii version was, anyway. I mean, it's it's not oh, great. Right, it was loud. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I can't. I, I have no complaints about it at all right now. I mean, it was only ten dollars. I don't know if I'd say it was worth fifty dollars, uh, but yeah. it's definitely <laughs> as, as a downloadable game. You know, you can't do you can't do worse than that. We know we had talked a couple episodes about uh, a couple episodes ago about. You know what would you want for a remake of a game? And I couldn't come up with anything. Uh, this Blaster Master might be the perfect remake. It's a lot like the original Blaster Master, so it has all the mechanics I love, but it's not exactly the same game. It's not just a nice graphical polish on the old game. They really redid at least the overhead sections where you're just Jason, and, and it's wonderful. So I, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. I don't know if we're ever going to do Blaster Master on this show, uh, but if not, I, I'm going to say right now, Blaster Master Zero, amazing, and everyone should play it. This week's game. Not a remake, but still very similar to many things I've played before. Skyblazer for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, this was um, this was kind of just a random request from me because I remember renting it a few times back when I was a kid. Um, this was one of those games where it was like if it was just there and nothing else was available, I would pick up Skyblazer. Uh, this is actually a, a game by Sony Music Entertainment or published by Sony Music Entertainment, which probably sounds super, super weird. Um, but I, you know, this was a game that when I first rented it, I, I had a lot of fun playing it and no one else seemed to understand exactly what the hell I was talking about when I mentioned it. Yeah. When you mentioned it, I looked it up and I recognize, I recognize the box. I, you know, I used to work at electronics boutique and that was a very notable box and we had that game forever. It came out in the, in early 1994 and you know, that's like the last year of the system before, before the 32 bit era really started and knocked super Nintendo off the wall. But it was, it was a game that was there the whole time. And you look at the back, and it just looks like every other platformer. So I was kind of, you know, not disinterested, but I thought this is one I probably will enjoy. But I wonder if I'm going to really think anything in it is notable. <laughs> As a side note, you know, it was by Sony, and so that came up at the start of the game. It's Sony ImageSoft, and I was like, man, Sony ImageSoft. I wonder what happened to those guys. And then I, I sat there, and as I'm doing research for the game, it was like, they were quickly, you know, swallowed up by Sony Entertainment. I'm like, I'm the dumbest person I know. Yeah, I wonder what happened to that Sony company. They haven't done anything anytime recently. So, they haven't done shit lately. I was like, yeah, that must be one of those companies that didn't do very well and faded away. I, I literally, <laughs> I sat there. I was like, oh yeah, Sony. I'm an well, idiot. I mean, it was, Sony ImageSoft <laughs> was was really weird. It could almost have like its own podcast on its own, and it was mostly a um, just a branch of like Sony's own movies. Like just about uh, every big Sony movie had like its own video game published by Sony ImageSoft. I mean, there was like a Cliffhanger, Dracula, Hook. Um, you know, they were responsible for a lot of Sony's video game production um, back before Sony was ever, re- you know, actually into the whole video game thing uh, hardcore with the PlayStation. So but this was one of their kind of their, their original efforts. Uh, it's an original character. It didn't have an anime or anything it was based on. It was just like this random game that was thrown out there. And no one like again. No, I don't think anyone has ever played this game because I still to this day I will mention Skyblazer as being like a pretty damn good game if you've never played it, and people just give me that confused dog look or do they just tilt their head to the side and they're just like what what the hell is a Skyblazer? Well, I thought this was Soul Blazer. I thought this yes, was a totally different game when you mentioned it. I thought it was myself <laughs> when I said Enix on the last uh, episode. That's what I was thinking of was Soul Blazer. Uh, I mean, I was I, I was recommending Skyblazer, but when I said Enix, that was Soul Blazer. Uh, but yes, Skyblazer is uh, 
Sony and Soul Blazer is Enix. Sky Blazer, not Soul Blazer, is a two-dimensional, you know, adventuring platformer. It's not a Metroidvania-style game because each level is self-contained, but the levels are uh, more than just vertical scrolling. You can go up or down, and some of them are even mazes. Uh, reminds me a lot more of like a, a Battle of Olympus-style game, something along those lines. Yeah, it's it's you know it's like you said it's something you've seen a thousand times before on the Super NES. It is just an action side-scrolling platformer. Um, it's the only thing that really kind of stands out in it is, um, maybe just kind of the, the weird gimmicks it kind of throws into some of the stages. It's, it, it has a lot of variety in, in what it can do throughout the, throughout the game. Um, we'll kind of get into if, if any of those really work uh, very well, but it, it kind of throws a lot of the, the whole, you know, super NES quirks, uh, like mode seven, uh, a lot of different scrolling backgrounds, uh, stuff that kind of looks 3d, but isn't 3d, um, into the mix to make the game look a bit more interesting than maybe it actually is. Uh, but otherwise it's a very plain kind of just side scrolling action game. Well, and I think that's why you don't know anyone who's played it. Cause it looks from the outside, like every other super Nintendo game from 1993 and 1994. Yeah, it is generic as hell if you just look at it on the back of the box. Well, and even just if you, if you were trying to explain it, which is what we're going to attempt to do for the next 45 minutes or so, it does sound very plain. Uh, but it, it actually is very well made. It, it does what it does very well. Every piece of it is a coherent piece. It's just that it's, again, on paper, it sounds like every other game that came out towards the end of the 16-bit era. It's a, you know, you have multiple powers that go up as you fight bosses that you you get other abilities and, you know as as you defeat the bosses you'll earn other skills that you need to get through the levels but none of the, it's not like Mega Man where you fight a boss that you know blows fire at you and all of a sudden you can blow fire it the, the skills are magical abilities that you can use What I noticed when I first started the game is this is another game where you're, you start with a battle you can't possibly win. And this is something that used to happen a lot of the time in old video games in my memory. But as I'm trying to find examples, I can't think of a whole lot of examples. And I can't tell you how many new games come out where I assume if I get crushed by the first boss that you're supposed to lose. Uh, even though I play Dark Souls, which is supposed to have broken me from that you know, mindset <laughs> where the first boss of the first part, Dark Souls is just really there to drive you into the ground to make you learn how to play the game. Uh, but I still expect a lot of games, if I die that badly, that I'm supposed to lose. Like, I always, after the first time, I kind of sit there hopefully, like, maybe this is where I wake up in a jail cell. But no, nope, most of the time you just, you're just dead. But this game mm -hmm. does have, you know, the fight you can't possibly win. In this case, it doesn't even let you try to fight. You, you literally just watch the, the cinematic of you losing, and then the game starts, you know, where you're kind of resurrected and brought back to life by a uh, generic wise old man who tells you that, that you know, he's going to help you get along, get, get your powers back, uh, and, and defeat the, the ultimate evil. I like that I, actually. I, I was I, I just I was going to say that that uh, that boss battle that you can't win. I, I remember when I first played it on the Super NES. You know this it doesn't do like this big thing of like an explosion where you're suddenly dead or anything like that. It kind of just takes control away from you and you just stand there while he just pelts you with fireballs. And and I remember being like, oh my god, my controller like what my controller is broken. I can't do anything. No, that's just what the game's trying to do. You just literally stand there and watch him, you know, pelt you with, with four or five fireballs and you die. Uh, it, it was just kind of weird. And even when I played it this time on an emulator, I thought my controller disconnected. I totally forgot about that. Uh, so it, it, that was kind of weird. Well, weird, but again, kind of, kind of nice. At least I can find more games that do that. So I don't feel crazy. Yeah. that I still yeah. think games do that. So after that intro scene, uh, you know, you're brought back to life by the old man, and you're immediately brought back to start your quest to go all the way back and fight that same guy again by regaining, you know, gaining new powers, which you have to do by going to these different lairs, fighting enemies, and then you'll get new magical powers. Uh, when you start the game, you only have one magical power. Uh, the only things you can do are jump, punch, uh, which is like you can hit the punch button a couple times and do like a kick as well, but essentially it's manual attack, uh, I'm sorry, melee attack, uh, and then you have a magic button. Now your magic, when you start the game, you have a a separate magic bar that has like eight beads in it 
And each time you use your magical ability, you lose a bead. Uh, but thankfully, there's a lot of pickups that give you those back. Uh, but the first magic spell you get is just like a wave of magic that goes in front of you. It does a good amount of damage. It's actually a, a pretty useful tool. Uh, but, but until you actually get to the first boss, you're kind of like, well, if this is the only two things I'm going to have to do, this is going to get dull pretty quick. Because, uh, again, all you can do is punch things or use this beam. And the levels aren't... They're put together well. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a, of a Rygar or, or Wizards and Warriors kind of level setup where you can kind of go in all directions, but there are doors and there are you know pathways that go to other, other sections of the labyrinths you're supposed to go to. But, again, you only have that, that one... You know, one ability, and there aren't that many things to fight. The, the enemies are not constantly barraging you with things. A lot of them just stand in, in one area and walk back and forth. Or, or, you know, some things just roll around the outside edges of walls. You know, I, I didn't think that the enemies were um, necessarily very interesting, the regular enemies. Uh, but And they also weren't incredibly plentiful. So I thought having only those handful of attacks really wasn't that exciting at first. Yeah, it really starts off kind of slow. I mean, you, you've got your standard side-scrolling levels, and then after you beat the um, beat the boss and talk to the old man, you kind of get a uh, overhead map view that you can kind of go around. In the very first um, part of the map, you know, you can only go one path. Uh, you you can go up uh, to a to another level, and then you go to another fortress, and then around again to another fortress and fight the boss to get your first power. Um, but it, just the way it, it's kind of set up at first. It doesn't seem like it's going to be anything more than than just your your standard action side-scrolling platforming game. I, I know I mentioned that before, but until you play it, it, it really kind of feels like you're just having deja vu with a ton of other Super NES games you've played at the time. Especially when this game came out, which was at the end of the Super NES's lifespan. And if you had been playing games on the in the 16-bit era, at this point, this game may, may as well have been like 30 other different games in those first three areas. Um, but it does actually start to get a little bit more interesting once you get that first out, get that first power, uh, and then go on to the the next area, and it kind of opens up a little bit. Yeah, the, so the game is is broken out into three continents. Uh, the overworld map shows you all you know the continent you're on, plus kind of the connector to the next continent. And the first continent is very much linear. You know, you go one direction. It's a chain of of events uh, you have to do till you get to the final, you know, first real boss, I guess, that gives you an ability at the end of that. Uh, and that actually was, uh, I think the bosses in this game are actually pretty interesting. They're all very different. Uh, none of them are extremely difficult unless you can't follow basic mechanics like me. Uh, but generally, <laughs> the bosses of this game are interesting. And, and the first time you get to them, you might lose. Uh, some of my, I did manage to beat the first time through, but I also do have 30 plus years experience playing these sort of games. Uh, but But they aren't, they aren't extremely difficult, but they all have their own neat mechanic. Nothing is a direct copy of each other. Not, there's not like, a, oh, giant blue guy with sword, and here's a giant red guy with sword, and they're exactly the same. All, all the bosses are very different in their mechanics, which is a, a, welcome, a welcome treat for a game like this. Uh, the first boss you get to is essentially a, a genie in a lamp, and the lamp will kind of roll along the bottom of the screen, and then the genie will come out, the lamp will stop moving, the genie will throw fireballs at you. And then go back into the lamp, and the lamp will roll around the bottom again. And uh, you learn quickly, you can't hurt the genie. You can only hurt the lamp, and only when the, the genie is inside the lamp. So it's a lot of, of learning, you know, back again how to dodge. Um, the other mechanic we I didn't mention uh, earlier is, along with just jumping and punching things, if you run and jump onto most walls, you cling on the wall and climb, like Ninja Gaiden. So... A lot yeah, of this, this totally has like a. It really starts to feature heavily in the later, the latter half of the game, like the the whole Ninja Gaiden sticking to the wall thing. Um, there are several levels where that's kind of all you can do is is just stick to walls and and jump to another platform, stick to it and jump off to something else. And overall, I mean, you mentioned that this isn't a very hard game, or the bosses aren't very hard. The whole game itself isn't very hard. It's it's got challenging and and frustrating parts to it. But this game is not it, – it, it will give you one-ups almost constantly. Right. And it even checkpoints a lot of your deaths in stages, which hardly ever happened back in the Super NES. Uh, it actually surprised me many times when I would just die, and I would respawn at a at just almost like a checkpoint in that stage instead of like back at the beginning. Um, but yeah, it, it's just one of those things like it, it's not a hard game to play. The game has plenty of one-ups. Uh, you can find the one-up symbol most places. It just actually says one-up. But not just that. 
there are gems throughout all the levels, and they're everywhere. There's there's big gems, there's little gems. When you kill guys, they drop gems or health refills or magic refills. A uh, hundred gems, like in every uh, every game, a hundred of whatever, it gives you an extra life. But th- those gems are plentiful, and especially a level that allows you to go back and forth between two rooms, the enemies respawn every time, and the gems respawn every time. So there's no reason you should run out of lives. If you think you're down to even like five lives, just go back to a level, you know, go, go to a level where you know there's these these rooms you can go back and forth in and literally just farm gems. There's no time limit on the levels. Uh, or the one-ups are the other thing. If if a, a level has a one-up in it and you die after getting the one-up, when you go back, the one-up's still there. So as long as you keep getting that one-up, you'll never lose your total number of lives. Plus, the gems are going to increase your number of lives. Uh, yeah, there were, there were parts of this game where I had 12, 13 lives without even trying. I didn't have to farm any lives. Um, we'll get to that the, the next piece in a second, but when you go to the next continent, the, essentially they're just throwing lives at you. They're throwing extra gems and lives at you, and the checkpoints in the, the overworld map, you can go back to the last old man hut who will give you like a password and also tell you, you know, oh, you have to go through the rest of this level and then I'll tell you what to do next or whatever. But you can beat a level, then go back to this hut, get your password and save, and and then go to the next level, and, and the levels you've already beaten are now beaten. You don't have to do them again. So you can just walk Whoa. through the map and go to level B, and then go back to save, and go to level C, and go back to save. So as long as you finish a level, there's absolutely no reason you can't blow through this game. Uh, because, again, you're going to get a million lives. None of the levels are that long. I think the longest levels, uh, I mean, assuming you don't get lost in a level that has like a labyrinth kind of section. But the longest level still only takes you like... 10 minutes and that's the first time through once you know what you're doing uh, i'm thinking of the water level specifically uh, but <clears throat> once you know what you're doing you can blow through these levels in no time at all and some of the other abilities you get when you beat through bosses you know they will actually help you fly through some of the levels so the, the first new power you get is like a comet it turns you into a uh, almost like a light uh, a fireball that will shoot forwards but you go pretty far so there's a bunch of parts of these levels where if you don't use that or if you don't have any magic power or if you're just not sure uh, you know, you have to jump from platform to platform and try to dodge guys and try to do whatever. If you're the comet, you're invincible while you go through your blast. So you basically just chain your comet through some of these levels, and you can go from the start to the finish without doing anything other than blasting through comet. And once you start a new level, you get your your magic bar back. So there's really no reason not to do that except to, I guess, test yourself. But the, just getting the new powers will will immediately increase your ability to get through the regular levels, no problem. The second power oh, yeah. you get is... I mean, there's once you start getting those powers, like it's, uh, they kind of almost seem like they're overpowered, and and they are. You know, it's you're required to get those these powers to move on in the game, but it's uh, it's more like kind of like Mega Man powers instead of like Zelda powers. Like there's never really a, a part in um, in this game where you absolutely have to use these powers that you gain. To make it through these levels, uh, but they do give you those uh, those sections where you can use those powers to basically make yourself either invincible or or take these shortcuts that that go all the way through the level without really much of a problem. Uh, and that one, that very first one you get, uh, you can you can really take advantage of that just by using that over and over again if you've got the energy to get through an entire section of a a stage or a dungeon without touching anything. Well, each of the magic powers uses a different amount of the magic bar. Uh, like I said, there's eight beads in the magic bar. The The original blast you start the game with uses one. The The comet power uses two. Healing yourself is the next power you get. And I, I think that was like the, the turning point for me. That boss I had a yeah. problem with, which was this shellfish-looking thing that kind of rolls around the outside. You're in one room, and it rolls around the outside of the room, and then it stops and it attacks you. And then it, if you hit it, it grows. And every time you hit it, it grows and grows and grows till it's literally almost the entire size of the screen. And I couldn't figure out how to avoid it once it was that big. And uh, apparently I'm an idiot because you can actually kind of easily move to the corner where it can't, it can't see you or can't hit you. And I, I somehow missed that. I don't know how. It's, it's very obvious. Uh, and I swear I tried it. And then Jeremy's like, yeah, you just sit in the corner, <laughs> idiot. And I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. Look at that. I got through them the next time. No problems because I stood in the corner. But I'm sure I did something. I was doing that the first time. But he gives you, when you beat him, you earn the heal power. And I think that's a that's a game changer at that point because there's a lot of things you only have five life points when you start and you earn a couple more throughout the game as you as you go through the continents but you never really like a lot of things do a fair amount of damage even after you've gotten fully powered up with all your abilities you still will die in three hits four hits tops from most things and a lot of the time if you get hit once you're going to get hit a couple times just to kind of get back to where you were or you'll fall off a ledge and die 
but the heal power for only two points of your magic ability will basically bring you back to full life or close to it. I mean, at that point, I, I just kind of hammered through a bunch of stuff that I probably should have been, you know, a little more careful with. But I was like, who cares? I have I have four heals here, and and because the game gives you so many um, magic power refills, especially as you fight guys, if you're low on magic or, or or anything, just kill a couple guys, you'll you'll guaranteed get a couple points back. So the the game makes it way too easy because it refills your your uh, your magic power that fast. Think about it compared to like a Castlevania, right? Uh, time stop is in this game. And in Castlevania, and it's actually much better in this game than Castlevania. But in Castlevania, even though it was you, you get 50, 60, 70 hearts in your in your um, in your inventory, and each clock only used five hearts, but somehow that was still never enough. Like if you were really relying on that clock, you'd get through a screen and be happy Ooh. with that. But then you're out of hearts and you're screwed yeah. because you're never going to get five hearts back fast enough to keep your time clock from making those Medusas hit you. This game, the time stop, it's like oh yeah, it uses it uses three blocks or four blocks. But it lasts for a long time, and again, the enemies don't keep respawning. They aren't extremely plentiful, and most of them don't have amazingly detailed attacks. That's kind of just you can see what their pattern is. Just stay away. So the the time stop in this is Im- infinitely better, <laughs> but almost too powerful. A lot of these attacks are, I mean, are yeah, way too all powerful. of these powers are just a little bit too powerful. Uh, <laughs> we keep bringing this up. You know, this this game is it, it wants to. You know, it, it really wants you to get through it. It seems like uh, it, it's got no problem giving you one ups. It's very obvious that you can uh, re-enter, go into a door and and get your collect everything and go back out and then re-enter and get everything again. Uh, every enemy you kill is generally you're going to find um, life potions. You're going to find energy potions just about everywhere. And all of these powers you gain are going to give you a, a huge advantage over just about everything that's on screen, whether it be regular enemies or bosses or just making it through the stage. Um, I don't want to I don't want to say this game empowers you because I don't think it was trying to do that much. But it, it's just very much just like they wanted to make a game where it was fun to make it through without being too frustrating. You know, did did you actually ever have any any real difficulty with it besides maybe getting through? I, I know we talked about that water dungeon. Um, maybe we could talk about the fortresses a little bit. Uh, those are the the kind of focus of the game. You you've got your when you're on the world map, you can kind of go around, and before you hit the fortresses, uh, you will come across these smaller, uh, just regular stages that you have to get through. Um, they're not very long. They're not. There's not really too much to them. Uh, but once you reach the fortresses, those are usually the larger of these stages. They they have multiple paths through, through them. Uh, they have. There's usually some weird gimmick with just about each one. You've got the water fortress. Uh, you've got the sky fortress. Um, ice fortress. It's it's all there. You know. It's kind of the the side scrolling wannabe Zelda that that Zelda two wasn't. But uh, this is also very simple. Uh, it, nothing is ever really hard to get through. I don't think I really had much of a, a challenge myself getting through these, but I always thought maybe like the fortresses themselves being the focal point was, was kind of the high point of the game for me. I think the fortresses are the most interesting. Definitely, they have the most interesting mechanic. I'd say if I had any issues getting through levels, it was some of those short levels. And only because, uh, for example, one of the first ones... Uh, it's either at the very beginning of the second continent or the very end of the first. Uh, there's there's a level where that uh, that ninja gaiden ability to grab onto the to these they kind of look like posts that go up and down you know just falling down this waterfall and that happens mm-hmm. in a lot of games that's not new to this game but the fact that you can only grab onto them and and you know then climb to the top and jump to the next one and if you don't do it enough time you immediately fall off the bottom of the waterfall and die that I don't know why I had a problem with that maybe because some of those actually are also like. Uh, these stone heads that have spikes that come out of the side you jump to and those knock you into the water. Uh, it reminded me a lot of, uh, of well, we haven't talked about it in this show, but Legendary Axe on the Graphics has a bunch of levels where they should be easy, but you get hit and it knocks you back. And it yeah. was little platforms in the water and I would just die over and over again. This reminded me of that. Uh, again, not, not too bad. It wasn't like I spent hours on it. I, I got through it after a couple tries. But most of the labyrinths I'd get to the boss one shot like there wasn't any real difficulty maybe figuring out what the gimmick was but once you figure that out 
no big deal. And, and I do want to talk about those fortresses because one of the things that's in several of the fortresses that I, I'm not a fan of, but because this game does give you a whole bunch of one-ups and these are pretty telegraphed, but uh, things where walls smash you to death. This game yes. loves it when walls smash you to death. It, yeah, when it can't seem to, to get the difficulty dialed in for a while, it goes to its old friend, uh, the the wall scrolling uh, to the to the side or, or bottom to smash you. Yeah, well, those well, I, I didn't even mean those. Those are bad enough, but I can deal with those. This is the ones where the 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 level doesn't move. It doesn't scroll as a level. You you know you you're moving the level, but but the level like the the ceiling will fall down and smash you, and you have to go to certain specific holes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what you're fighting. Yeah. Oh yeah, well they do have some that are the the scrolling levels. I'm not a big fan of those either in most games, uh, but in this game they weren't too bad. But the yeah, especially the. The, the first one, it wasn't even that hard. It's just, it's something about those levels, and, and maybe it's because I've played so many games where I had problems with levels like that, but but I died to things that I shouldn't have, and, and the controls are a little floaty. Again, I don't know if I can blame the actual game or my emulator for that, uh, but I definitely had some parts where on those, on those levels where the ceiling would crush down, I'd be like a couple pixels away from where I need to be and like I would just run forward for no reason like I would just touch the controller and I'd, ru- I'd dive forward and get smashed by a wall uh, and that's instantly kills you it's not it's not it does a point of damage it's not that you have a chance of coming back you instantly die and and go back to the beginning of that room that's the only time I had to continue uh, where I actually had to go back and, and re go go to my last save with the old man but thankfully it was a level right before that so I didn't lose any real ground but I, yeah, I, I got crushed I like five times <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my thing with with a lot of the difficulty in this game is it, it's just I got impatient. You know, it, right, it's not right. really that hard of a game, and so the parts with that I would normally maybe be taking kind of precaution or just proceeding cautiously through, I, I would I would just want to go for it. And those ones that you were talking about, where it was like it was smashing down on you, or the the walls were coming in from the sides instead of the top. I would just want to keep going and be like, oh, you know, I'm not really having a problem with this so far. I might as well just go all the way through it and, and just, you know, take the, the hero's approach to it and you know, just go for it. Um, but that was that was every time. Every time I did that, I would end up getting smashed. Yeah, you, you oh, I'll skip this one. I know where the next door is. I'll be fine. And you'll be just like a, a, a split yes. second short. And, and you can't like, be oh. a pixel off of it. It will. You will die. Yeah. And, and again, I'm okay with that. I didn't hate it. I wasn't like, this is the point where I'm done. It wasn't a minecart. I was okay with it. But it was just like, <laughs> It's oh, not very man. long. It's, they're, they're generally short sections. Right, yeah. It's not, there's not a whole dungeon that does that. It's generally one section of a, uh, of a labyrinth that does that. And at the end of, of these bigger levels, you'll fight a boss. Like we've already talked about, the, the bosses are all very different. Uh, I did enjoy almost all of them. Some of them were easy enough that I wasn't quite sure why they were bosses, but uh, there was the genie we talked about. There was the shellfish creature that grows every time you hit it. My favorite boss in this game was the ice, the, the face in the ice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it's just a big face in the middle of the screen, and it doesn't do anything when you first get there. You, you punch it a couple times, and then all of a sudden you can't hurt it anymore, and it kind of rotates the wall around. Like it's a, the whole room is a, is a one big wall. It rotates around, and you have to jump through holes in the wall to not get smashed against the side. Uh, it's not extremely difficult, but it's still like something if you're off, you're done. You know, if you, if you think, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to jump, and all of a sudden it's the bottom you're supposed to crawl through, uh, you die instantly. So it's the kind of thing that's... It wasn't fast enough to be pure reflex terror, but it was, it was an interesting boss, and I don't know why, but I like it when, when you fight a boss, and you can tell when you've hurt it a bunch, and this is one that, like, you hit it a bunch, and then all of a sudden it loses one eye. You hit it a bunch, and it loses its other eye, and it's like, oh, this makes me feel good. I like this. Yeah, that was, that was a great <laughs> boss. Um, the, the, yeah, I, I actually love the, the, the bosses in the game. I mean, there's a few that's just, you know, just kind of tank and spank, uh, but for the most part, you know, each one of them has a, a unique kind of thing that, that they've got going for them that you need to uh, learn and, and avoid. Uh, you know, for every JJ and Jeff boss uh, or game that's out there that just has the same boss over and over, I will always appreciate any game that throws out every boss has some unique thing to them. You know, everything is, is has some sort of new challenge that you have to learn. And I know in most video games that should just be commonplace. You should have every boss make you want to learn something new to get past them. But, you know, <laughs> going through this podcast, we have found out many a times that there are more than more than enough games out there that are totally fine just serving you the same boss over and over. And I really thought Skyblazer did a great job of just giving you new and, and fun bosses each time. Uh, you know, regardless of if they're really that challenging, 
uh, you never really knew what you were going to get with, with every boss you got. Yeah, I would say I'm. Uh, there were a couple bosses that I don't even really call them tank and spanks because everything has that that effect where if you hit it enough times, once or twice, sometimes you're lucky you get three or four hits, and then it flashes or it becomes immune to your damage, and you have to kind of run away and dodge it. There's definitely there's no boss that you just stand there and heal while you punch over and over again, uh, despite that being my go-to maneuver. It didn't work on any of these bosses. They all definitely had some some other skills to them. But it's not just that the bosses are good. Uh, and interesting. I think each level, even the ones that are kind of boring, uh, you know, on paper, uh, still all play very well, and they all are, they're all very different. Uh, we've already talked about how the levels like to smash you. There are some that are, um, you know, the automatic scrolling levels. I'm not a fan of those, but they aren't too bad in this game. Um, there is the the mandatory ice level where you slip around on the floor, but it's not too bad in this game. It honestly isn't. I think because the spikes on the floor don't kill you in one hit, they just do damage and you can jump out of them. I think if they were auto-kill spikes, I would have probably been a little more annoyed with that ice level, but otherwise it wasn't bad. But the the water level has to hands down be the hardest level of the game. It's not a, a, a difficult game even with that level, but it's definitely the most like an actual labyrinth and has an actual puzzle level to yes. it. Like it feels like uh, you're not quite sure what you're supposed to be doing, and the very end of it I, I found to be tricky. I mean, I, I got through it, but it was definitely tricky. I don't know if I would have figured it out as easily uh, when I was younger. Yeah, I mean, definitely the the water level is the one that that really got me as a kid. And I beat this game, I think, about two or three times when I rented it as a kid. And every time, I don't think I ever remember exactly what I did to get to the end of that stage. I mean... The first two or three sections of the stage are fairly simple. You go through, the water is flowing in different directions around the level. And you're swimming through it, and you can hit these switches. And it will change the direction of a certain water flow so that you can access other parts of the stage. Now, the, the first, like I said, the first three sections aren't that bad. But that last section, there are several different ways you can go. And several different things that you can hit to make the water go in different directions. Um... One of those that you go in that you can get to and uh, go out a door will send you back to a previous part of the stage. And, and then there's another one that will actually send you to the boss. And only this time that I played it did I realize exactly what I needed to do to get through it. I, it was just an accident before, but this time it got me so I, I could not figure out what the hell I needed to do to get to it. But I finally figured out how to get to that damn boss. It's more than just that there's water flowing around the levels. It's it's a labyrinth. So it it's yeah, it's yeah. uh the water doesn't just flow in one direction through the whole level. It's like it, it flows on different hallways and you can see, you know, oh here's where it splits and I can go up or I can go right. But if I try to go, you know, to the left, the water's flowing from that direction so I can't because you can you can swim with the current, obviously. And you can go in the other directions that aren't the way it's flowing. So if it's flowing from the left to right, you can go up and down in there while you go to the right slightly. But if you try to go left, you just stop, you know, it, it you can fight against the current, but you won't make any progress. So if, if the water's flow, you know, flowing to the right, there's no way you're going to go left. It's just not going to happen. So you get to the parts of the level where it almost looks like there are grates behind the, the level, like little circle grates, like a sewer almost. And those are the only panels that will change direction when you hit that switch. And I think if we hit one switch in, a, in one map, not in the whole level, but in the one room you're in, it yes. affects all of them the same way, that are the same, like, that last room's the only one I think that has multiple panels. But if you hit it once, they all have switched. You just won't get to those other panels to see it. Uh, but right. you can kind of test that towards the end if you want to go the wrong way. And I'm pretty sure it, it's just a... When you think about it that way, it's less. it was less confusing when I was like, oh, I see, it's just a, a <clears throat> essentially an on-off for which directions these go. And it's for all these panels. So clearly, you know, I can find the right path because I'll find the way to this panel and then I just find a switch again and I'm good to go. But it did take that, me... Yes, it took me probably right. half an hour to figure it out now. And that's, <laughs> yes. that's with being an adult that was like, yeah, I get how these games work. I'm, I'm no fool. And I, got, I probably got that far in half an hour to that dungeon. And that's about two-thirds of the way through. And I still, I still spent an equal amount in just that one dungeon going through the same room over yes. and over again. I, I, it, like I said, it took me forever uh, this time to do it. I, I lucked into it as a kid probably just because I was dumb. Didn't realize what the hell I was doing, but this time I actually did figure it out. You're right; it does change um, the direction of of all of them, regardless of where you're at. I was overthinking it 
way too much. And once I finally figured it out, I was like, oh, oh my God, Jesus Christ. Right, right. It's, but, it's uh, very simple, but you were like, oh, no, if I hit this one and then this one, and then I can yeah, time no, I it, just, so I, I shoot a beam this do, way. Like, you know, this game is way, like we mentioned, it's easy. And you get to that point, and we've played too many damn games at this point. We played Young Merlin. I mean, those, those <laughs> damn fucking, <laughs> those minecart stages scarred me for life. And that's kind of what I was getting. I was like having PTSD when I was playing this fucking uh, water level. Um, but yeah, it is just, it's super simple. You just hit the thing and, and the water changes directions for the entire level and, and not just one little section. This was the only other boss I had a problem with until I cheesed it. And I'm sure everyone cheeses it or else this boss would take you three days. But the boss of this level, it looks like four... I don't even know if they're supposed to be clams. I call them clams because they open and close and they shoot fish out of them. I don't know what they're supposed to be. But there are four clams in the middle of the room. And each clam is surrounded by uh, almost like a... It's not a full wall that surrounds them, but like two sides of them. So it's... You know, like the inside of a Pac-Man level. I don't know how to describe this. It's like two angle brackets, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the oyster things are on the, the angle brackets, and they all shoot fish in the middle of the screen. And then the fish get huge, and they chase you through the level. Um, and, and at first I was like, oh, man, this is tough. I can't. You can fight the fish, but it takes a while, and then they spawn fish again almost immediately. And I got, like, one hit on an oyster. And then I would have to, fly, you know, swim around in circles and fight fish. And I get one hit on an oyster. And, and after, like, hitting an oyster eight times, I was like, these things don't die fast. I finally got one to die after eight or nine hits. And I thought, if I have to do this with every... I mean, sure, one fish goes away at that point, right? They only re- respawning four fish mm-hmm. at once, it respawns three. But I was like, this is going to be the slowest fight ever. The rest of these fights have been fast. Uh, the bosses are not difficult. They do a fair amount of damage to you. But once you figure out their gimmick, you'll, you'll blow through these bosses quickly. Uh, w- one of the other bosses is like... It's a dragon that that comes up from the bottom of the screen and then stops for a minute. And it has a very obvious giant ball you're supposed to hit. And that mm-hmm. boss is easy. It's ridiculously easy. I got through it the first time before I even realized, like, yes. oh, that's I've I've beaten that boss. How easy is that? This guy, I spent. I mean, I was spending five minutes on this fight because I kept circling around fighting fish. Did did you cheese that by basically trapping the fish behind a wall? No, I've actually got a a super cool pro tip. For the eight people that will ever play this game, get after ready. Us. Retrovania um, X Pro Tip. <laughs> if you, uh, you you don't, this is kind of speaking back to the how there's the overhead map. You don't actually have to play this water map in the order that it shows. You can kind of go off to these other dungeons or the other, other fortresses. If you can go to the fortress where you get the lightning spell, and you beat that fortress, I, I forget which one it was, which boss uh, you get that one fortress. from. Uh, and then go back to and do the water level, you can actually just sit there and spam that lightning spell like four or five times, done. No problem. That You will beat that level in that boss, no problem. That's all it takes. Um, but yes, if you do just go in there without the actual, uh, without the lightning spell, that one is probably one of the more challenging bosses in the game. But again, that's not something you actually need to do you're forced to do you can totally go find these these other powers first and and make it a little bit easier for yourself right the second continent is the largest continent by far uh, and it has four of those big fortresses that give you powers and that's that's the one where you know you can do them not necessarily in any order but you can i think the first one you have to do and after that you can do in any order you want uh, Mm -hmm. until you get to the end and and i i'm actually kind of annoyed that the lightning Spell works that well against it. I didn't think about that, uh, and I'll get to why in a second. So you finish the <laughs> you finish the the second continent, and actually this happens in the first continent too. We didn't really mention it. Uh, after the, you beat the continent, and you go to the old man's hut, he's like, "Let's go to the next continent. You're ready. You can't go back from here." And you say, "Sure, whatever." And there's a wonderful Super Nintendo Mode Seven level oh, where yeah. you just fly around and collect gems and dodge spikes 
and uh, it, it's really hard to control. But because of <laughs> of how it's essentially a bonus level, so you, you can't really is, lose yeah. as far as I can tell. You get a bunch of gems, and eventually some of the gems get replaced with spikes, and you hit a spike and you die. And and well, you don't die, but you fall out of the sky and you're at the the continent. But they throw so many gems at you, you can go to those those levels and you can only do them once each time it's not like you can go to this over and over again and farm gems but mm-hmm. you go to the first time you'll get five lives without even trying without even really oh, yeah. trying to get yeah. every gem but if you were really like they kind of go around in spirals and you got to just kind of keep following where these gems are you'll, you'll rake up 10 lives 11 lives each time you go through one of these it's so ridiculous it's, how, how much how many extra lives this game just wants to give you it, it just tries to give you extra lives it, it doesn't even care well again it, you you get a bunch of extra lives and you can save after every level like there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to finish this game uh, except for arguably the last level. So you get through you get through the first two continents, you get to the third continent. The third continent is literally nothing but the last fight you have to do. And the last fight you have to do, I mean, it's, it's a, a level up to the fight. Uh, it's not a very difficult level. If, if you've played through the rest of the game, uh, it shows you no new tricks. It's, it's a little bit of every level you've played except for the water thing. And, uh, and then you get to the mandatory boss rush. We've no, complained well, about boss before rushes. Before we get to this boss rush. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to. No, go ahead, go ahead. But before we get to this boss rush, we did not actually mention the side-scrolling shooter levels in this game. There's not many. There's only I think like there's a two, couple. right? Yes, two. What did you think of those? Um, I, they weren't very good. I mean, no, if the whole game was these side-scrolling levels, I would not have enjoyed it. They aren't hard though, and it's almost like for me, I just was, I just like I'm just going to avoid everything. I'm just not going to bother trying to get through these levels and actually. You know, kill everything. There's no point because you can dodge most of this stuff. And it was, it just felt like they were like, hey, you know what we need? We need a couple extra flying levels. Let's throw them in there. They just felt out of place. And, uh, they and really the did. least polished part of this game. And they weren't terrible, yeah. but they were definitely the least polished piece of this game. They, they felt very floaty. And, you know, I hate to say that about a flying stage because maybe it's supposed to feel floaty. But, you know, you're, when you're not doing anything or shooting, your character will fall to the bottom of the stage. And then to bring him back up, you have to hold down the the jump button and you'll fly back up. And it's just a combination of doing that with a very poor shooting mechanic where you're not actually shooting projectiles all the time. You can shoot one out and then if you keep tapping, you will punch the next time. You will not actually shoot out a projectile. But the next punch you do will shoot out a projectile. So it's just, you know, like you said, thankfully, these aren't there's not too many in the game. And they're, and they're not very long, uh, but it was just one of those things that, like, when it did come up, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. But it, it's not a huge problem. It, it's just one of those things that the game kind of stuck in that, that probably shouldn't be there. Both those levels and those Mode 7 levels are pointless, but the Mode 7 level, at least, I just took as... First off, every Nintendo game, Super Nintendo game, required you use Mode 7. Not really, but yes. it feels like that. Uh, but there were definitely a, a bunch of games that have things like this where you're like, why even add this? And, and, and then you're like, oh yeah, they wanted to show off what they could do. Okay, that's fine. But at least it those was like late gave in you the, a bunch the of Super lives. NES light life lifespan. You know, they had to just throw everything at the wall and, and hope maybe a few people bought it or rented it. Well, again, I, I think that the Mode 7 levels are at least, again, because you could earn a bunch of lives, it, it, I was okay with it. Um, but that, yeah, the, the regular side-scrolling shooter levels, I had completely forgotten about. And I played this game from start to finish this morning, and I had forgotten those levels were in there because they're completely <laughs> unremarkable. They weren't so bad that it was like, what were they thinking? But they were just like, yeah, yeah. okay, this is dumb. And I, I just got through them, and I never went back. And I, I, you know, I was like, yeah, all right, that's... Those are poor, but th- those were, again, they, they were so small. It's a small piece of this game. I didn't even remember them. I just wanted to make sure we mentioned them. They, yeah, no, they I, I'm exist. glad you did. I would have. That <laughs> would have been mad later. <laughs> I was like, I forgot to mention those terrible side-scrolling levels. Um, so you get to the last level, and of course, it's a boss rush, and it's not every boss you fought, which I found a little weird. But it's only four bosses you fought previously. Um, all of them very easy. Like I said, once you learn the gimmicks, you can blow through these bosses. Uh, it does have those those four oyster shellfish Bosch guys I was talking about, and I still didn't know the lightning did that much damage. So I, I just basically, you can get the fish to more or less follow you to a point where they're almost on top of each other, and then you can you can angle yourself so the only way they can get to you is through one of those walls that the angle brackets are on, and they'll basically swim back and forth like an inch each time and never go down. So you can you can kill one of those oysters and then trap them on against another wall and kill another oyster that works out that way. It just took a few minutes to get everyone in place, but then it wasn't so bad. But now that I know I could have just used the lightning four times and beaten it, I'm very angry at myself. 
for wasting that <laughs> much time on that boss. Not even that hard at this point because you know as you go through um, the game, you keep coming up to the the old man's hut, and as you progress, he will keep giving you more and more stamina. So by the time you reach this boss rush, which is the easiest boss boss rush of all time, you will have more way more stamina than what you probably had when you first fought them earlier in the game. Yeah, no, and I was actually I spoke I spoke too early. It's five bosses you fought previously, uh, but there's still a handful you didn't you don't fight again that you, when you get here. But yeah, that's weird. That's really weird. Well, and it's it's the earlier ones too. You fight the earlier bosses you fought, but yeah. not some of the later ones. You don't fight that dragon. That dragon's the last dragon. The last of the non-final bosses you fight. Uh, I guess we should have mentioned that somewhat. So the whole time that you're going to the old man's hut, he keeps telling you you'll get the ultimate power. And eventually, when you get off the second island, he's like, or before you leave the second island, he's like, you have to get the ultimate power by beating the dragon. So you beat the dragon, and you get the ultimate power, which turns you into a phoenix, a flying, yes. fiery bird. It lasts for like three seconds. <laughs> it makes you invincible, but it does allow you to fly and it uses almost all of your magic power it is the worst ultimate power ever i think a heal in the game is a much better ultimate power oh, a heal is a heal is but the worst thing about that dragon so the whole time you know you're supposed to be getting to this point where you can beat the ultimate evil this dragon and so you finally get to this dragon and this tiny little cartoon dragon kind of floats up from the bottom of the screen and it's the cutest dragon that's ever been <laughs> in a video game and it, that's the one you were talking about. It's got this very, very easy to see. He's holding like a, a, a sphere, a, a red sphere out in front of him. That's obviously what you're want, supposed to attack. And the whole time you're just like, oh, man, I don't want to kill him. But you, you, he's so easy, too. He's not even hard in the least if you just keep hitting him over and over. You know, he, he flies up and he, stay, and he pauses for like a full five seconds to be like check out this obvious ball i'm holding tool and then you get to hit punch the ball once and then he then he shoots some fire at you that you can easily dodge unless you're going to stand there and be like i wonder what this dragon's going to do now that he opens his mouth at me but then after he fires the the after he shoots fire at you you can keep punching that ball and it will freeze him for a minute it so there's really him. no can, reason yes. that after three passes this dragon should still be alive but that yeah you can that, literally I freeze to him dragon. in place by just hitting him over and over and over again it, it's it's ridiculous and then beating him you get the phoenix power which is just the worst thing in the world it's, it's not very good there was one uh i forget which one it was you, you get the hero power which literally makes you invincible uh for a minute yes uh, you get the i forgot even what's called but it's something like i wrote it down because i, I thought it was warrior force Yes, warrior, warrior force. force, and you get that right. It's one of the four you get before you you earn the power to go fight the dragon, and that one, yeah, that makes you invincible. But you get to move like you normally move. You get to be invincible for like five seconds and do what you yeah. normally do. The phoenix is even floatier than the other flying. It's super awkward. It's hard to do damage with it, uh, and and it lasts less time, I think, than the ultimate uh, ultimate power. The only bonus to having or the uh, warrior force. The only bonus to having that that phoenix power is it's the only way you can defeat the last the next to last boss is by starting with that stupid power uh which yeah. means ultimately it's uh it's filler but that's okay so you get to this boss rush you fight through the five five of the bosses you fought before but in between each one in between each boss it's not like you you know a lot of boss rushes you beat a boss you the other one just materializes there you get to go like a screen forward and then he pops up if you're lucky you get like a, a one third of your your healing bar healing ability or something not this game this game gives you a hallway before each of the bosses in the boss rush that gives you full health, full magic, and an extra life, essentially. It gives you enough gems to earn an extra life. So unless you choose not to collect those things, and if so, you're an ass, it, it gives you an extra <laughs> life, full health, and full magic. So you start every fight in the best possible way you can, fighting bosses you've already fought before that all have gimmicks that are pretty simple to figure out. Uh through all five bosses I, I can't imagine anyone died a bunch at this boss rush normally you, you i dread these things because you're like oh, i'm gonna get to this boss i had a problem on in this game no sir except for for me that fish boss and even then i was i i knew how to cheese it so i still didn't even get hit it just took me a little bit of time but the rest of them i just plowed through it until you get to uh the the it's as shora i think is how you pronounce it it's the boss that sure, you fought yeah. at the beginning that killed you that you had no chance to fight again you get to fight them now and uh, and that actually was a difficult fight, I have to say. I had some real problems there uh, because you don't even trying to, you know, use your your heal ability to kind of tank it. He does a fair amount of damage every time he hits you, and you have to really watch his flight pattern. It, once you figure it out, it's simple. But I still probably died a handful of times on him. And like you said, the the phoenix is, is basically the the 
the main thing to to beat him with. I mean, if you can fly around with that Phoenix, if you've got enough energy points to just keep active reactivating that Phoenix, uh, he's not that bad. But if you don't, if you come into that fight without those kind of energy points, he can be really rough. Well, it's it's learning his pattern, and again, that's yeah. not a new thing for anyone who's played any of these games, really. But but it's it's not a hard pattern to learn once you once you figured it out. You're like, oh, I'm a dummy. But I still probably died a handful of times until I realized, like, oh, that's exactly where he's going to stop if I stand on these different platforms. This isn't bad. So you, you beat him, and the sorceress you went to save comes back, and, and, you know, you save her. The old man shows up, and he's like, wait a minute, this can't be over yet. <laughs> and, of course, it's not. Uh, and, in fact, the very beginning of the game has this, like, short story where someone yells, like, uh, his name is Raglan, I think is how you pronounce it, R-A-G-L-A-N. He yells, like, Ashura, use your power and go defeat the world for me so of course when you beat him he gives his life to bring his master back raglan the lord of war and that boss is great that's like a full size full screen size boss plus uh it, it, it that's a wonderful fight i did die there several times too i don't know if, if you had many problems there since you beat this before but i definitely um I, I got to that fight and i had like 15 lives and i beat it with two left so i had to spend 13 lives just learning what yes. to do to beat him but but it wasn't it's, hard uh, still it was still like okay no big deal. And even if you died because of how this game, or even if you lost your lives because of how the game saves, you get to start right at the beginning of that boss rush, essentially. So you're going to mm-hmm. give yourself 10 lives once you get to him every time, once you figure <laughs> out those bosses. I, 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 you know, yes, that one of the more hilarious things in this whole game is like once you, you beat the first form of, of, of Shura, of Ashura, Ashura, however you say his name, um, his head, his decapitated head is just sitting off to the side of the screen. And, you know, the the princess that you're trying to rescue comes down and the old you're, you're, you're getting thanked and the old man comes out and he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? The battle, it's not even over yet. The decapitated head jumps off of the fucking ground onto a platform and then transforms into this huge, huge last boss that you actually face. And... This is kind of like the the game suddenly turns into like the most challenging goddamn boss <laughs> that you can probably find in the game. Um, he is legit hard, and really the only way to uh, to beat him without too much effort is if you've got the uh, if you've got enough energy to heal yourself to use the healing power that you had. Uh, you can basically just stand up front and um, jump and and punch his eye or or whatever you're trying to punch. Um, you will only generally take a, a couple of bars or a bar or two uh, of energy if he fucking hits you. So if you can just do that over and over and then use the heal power when you need to, you can probably take him out in one try. But it's, you know, for most people, uh, it definitely the, the first time I did it and, and, you know, I wasn't trying to use the heal power at all. It took me a, a while to beat this guy. Well, it's, there's two things, even with the heal power, that you have to know, and you wouldn't know until you die. And this is how I die the first time, is the first thing he does is he will punch you know, across the screen because he, his arm basically turns into a platform you to jump on and punch him in the face. Yeah. But if you actually get hit by that punch, one hit kill. It's, yes. smash, it's yeah, a smasher. It's another wall smasher. So the first time I died, I died of that, and I felt like an idiot. And then the second time uh, I died to him, so you go up and you, you punch him in the face, and then as soon as you punch him in the face, his eye shoots this beam, and then mm-hmm. like uh, follows the beam up with like a almost like a, a a fire thing that shoots along the ground where his arm is as well. So it's like a a two strike that you can't dodge one and hit the other. You dodge them both, or you get hit by one. That's it. There's no way to like duck under one mm-hmm. and jump under the no, other. No, you can't. That's why. That's why I'm saying like you gotta have that healing power because you are going to get hit. This is one of those asshole bosses that. You can't just use skill well, to you, dodge you everything. You can, and and it took. Can me, you really? Did you? Did you? You do- can jump over so that so when you hit him in the face, he shoots a beam that that kind of starts at the ground right in front of his face and goes up a ninety degree angle till it's directly across, and then he shoots that the the fire underneath. You have to the way his arm has two rings on it. If you run back to the very edge of the farther ring, you then jump over and you'll flip over both beams and land oh. right in front of his face. But it's it's literally like I knew what to do and I knew how to do it and I still got hit probably every third time just by poor timing. It's a very tight time that nothing else in the game has a timing like that. Everything else in the game yeah. you can play pretty sloppy. Uh, this one doesn't. So without I still had to use the heal, uh, but I did get uh, get through him. I did finish this one start to finish. Uh, I didn't really have to even use save states. If I did, it was just to kind of save time, like the water level where 
where I was like, okay, I get to the next room. I'm going to use a save state here and not do this whole thing again. Um, yeah. But but I I said this at the the start when I before we started recording. This may be the perfect rental game. It, it's, it really is. I mean, this this is the one of the best rentals. This is why I rented it like three times um, when I was a kid. It's just fun. I mean, it's it's it doesn't do anything extraordinary. Uh, it, you know, it's it's just one of those kind of late in the lifespan of the Super NES games that just like we we mentioned before, it does a lot of different things and it throws a lot of different things at you. But it's fun. You know, it it may be kind of it, it's like you said, it's nothing crazy. It's not going to be some, you know, Super Metroid or, or Castlevania or anything like that. But if you just went into a video store and nothing else was was available, uh, and you looked at this game, you know, you look at the front of the box, and you're just like, oh man, this doesn't look good at all. You look at the back of the box, it just looks like a standard side-scrolling game that you played a thousand times before. But you get it home and you play it, and you, if you stick with it, it, it really surprises you. Just the amount of stuff that's in the game, you know, the structure of the game itself being sort of this, uh, being a nonlinear uh, action action game that you can kind of choose your your path through. Um, there's a lot more to it than than what you might first just think that it is. It, it's got a bunch of diversity in the level backgrounds, level feels. I mean, the fact that that there is the the water level that has its own unique kind of gameplay. Uh, we didn't really talk about this one, but there's an air fortress where you have to to run around on different uh, currents yeah. of air. I mean, that was a hard level too. It wasn't extremely difficult, but I died a bunch of times just because there is kind of a uh, you have to give yourself a little bit of of room when you jump from one place to the other because you are jumping mm-hmm. on the air where it kind of cushions you down and then back up. And if you go too far down, you fall. Like there's a lot of little little neat gimmicks that this game has clearly taken from other games, but has done it very well. Um, and again, all the bosses are different. But but I think it's the perfect rental game because it's just hard enough to mm-hmm. make you feel like you've accomplished something. But if you would have paid full price for this game and beaten it in two days, you'd be very angry. Yes. There's nothing uh, else to I, do yes, once I, you beat it. I'm totally glad that I never actually bought the game, but every time I rented it, I was totally fine with that because that was exactly the amount of time that I had to rent it was two or three days and I could beat it every single time. And it was just, it was fun to play through every single time that I did. Yeah, it it looks pretty. It actually, I mean, you know, even the parts that don't play very well, uh, except for possibly those 2D flying stages, everything else, I I mean, I thought were, was an enjoyable time start to finish. At no point... Uh, a lot of these older games, when we play through them, because we're trying to play through them so quickly for an episode, if I get stuck on something for, you know, half an hour or so, I'll go find the solution to make sure I'm either doing the right thing and it's timing, or in the case of things like Young Merlin, I'm not going to waste all day figuring out the goddamn <laughs> minecart. I just want to get to the next part to talk about the game with some sort of, you know, level of knowledge. I didn't have to do that for this. There were parts that no. were definitely just slightly difficult but then i figured them out and i was like okay i see and even the bosses you know again some of them were were one one shot and and down but most of them i you know i i had to figure out exactly what to do and and then time it right i I mean i enjoyed this game i felt like it was constantly rewarding to play it but again once you finish it that's it there's no there's no difficulty selection there's no way to make this Oh man, I'm gonna go through this time, and you know, I guess you could challenge yourself and not use certain powers. But that that this game isn't that interesting. Where I'm gonna do that, no, it, but but it still felt good. Like I I enjoyed playing it start to finish. This would be a good game, even um, you know, back in the days where I yeah I would have friends come over and stay the night and do whatever. This is a good like sleepover game because everyone could play yeah. like a level over and over. And like, there's no reason that this wouldn't just be a fun evening. Uh, but but definitely again not not worth the, the fifty or sixty bucks this probably was at first. Uh, but but an excellent example for someone who has never played a 16-bit era game. This might be the perfect game to show them because it kind of takes all the best parts of those games <laughs> and mashes it together into a totally enjoyable and fairly simple you know game to to walk through that era. Yeah, and this is uh, you know this I I I love this game. You know, I, it's not anything I can. It, I, you know, I would totally recommend people play it, but it's not if you have to pay a lot of money to get it, I wouldn't. Um, I, I hear the term hidden gem thrown out a lot for like older games. And I I hate that term because I've legit heard people call uh, Castlevania three for the NES a hidden gem. Castlevania three is not a hidden gem. I mean, we we all knew what the hell Castlevania three was it is it's a very well known game. But there's very few games that I would actually really call a hidden gem from from the NES or the 16, 8-bit and 16-bit era. 
But I would probably throw out Skyblazer as a hidden gem because just so few people have ever played it. It's not from a, a publisher that anyone really cared about. I mean, really, what the hell did Sony ImageSoft do um, besides putting out a half-decent hook game? Uh, it's just one of those games that kind of came out late in in the lifespan of the Super NES that you know it's just a neat neat little game and and not people not too many people actually know about it so I would put my branding as a hidden gem on Skyblazer for the Super NES so there you have it yet another game that we somehow both agree is good I'm very excited. Lately, we've had a pretty positive upswing on these things. Uh, we should ruin that very soon, but it won't will it be next week because next week is games that I can tell you right now. We don't have to review them. I'm going to tell you to buy it no matter what we say uh, because uh, right, I guess the day that the next episode will post uh, is the day the Disney Afternoon Classics collection comes out, and it is start to finish, at least the four of the six games I've played, uh, pure joy. DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, and then the sequels to, uh, which I have not played, the sequels to DuckTales and Rescue Rangers. But I can't imagine they're bad. I'm very excited to finally get to play these. DuckTales 2, if you try to actually buy the card online, is offensively expensive. So I'm going to get to finally play it in a, in a legal form. Uh, and I'm going to enjoy it. So that that's we're going to do a, a probably a lengthy episode next where we go through the Disney Afternoon Classics collection. And hopefully Bill will be here to join us because uh, I know he is a giant fan of Rescue Rangers. And if not, he can come and tell us that he's not. But I'm going with that <laughs> anyway. <laughs> he better be. But until then, please check us out on Retrovania.net. Find us on Twitter at Retrovania.net, on Facebook under Retrovania.net. And we will see you next time. <laughs>